Hello again, this is Sam Rosenberg, and you're listening to Screen to Screen, a podcast that tackles issues relevant to the mediums of film and television. Today's topic is problematic artists. For years, actors, writers, and directors in the film and TV industry have been praised for producing and creating some of the most influential pieces of art in modern history. Yet many artists have also been subject to public controversy and speculation over actions that will be deemed questionable to many. As critics and reviewers of film and TV, we are going to be discussing these issues of problematic artists and understanding the complexity of their actions with the art they produce. Joining me today for Screen to Screen are the TV editors of the Michigan Daily Arts section, Nabil Chalampat and Danielle Jacobson, and the film editors of the Michigan Daily Arts section, Danny Hensel and Madeline Godin. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks, Sam. Hello. Yeah. So... I just want to start off. Yeah, I just want to start off with talking a bit, a bit, a bit about the a, a bit of a recap of the Academy Awards, um, which I'm sure all of you guys watched. Yes. Yes. Maybe. Maybe I'll so, actually just uh, follow it on Twitter. I was followed on Twitter. Awesome. As Even most better. people did. Um, <laughs> just had to make sure we were all on the same <laughs> about the facts. So I there can were. Walk out now. Yes. <laughs> there were a lot of there were a lot of surprises, a lot of expected wins, um, but one thing that a lo- became an issue during the Oscar race was Casey Affleck, who ended up winning Best Actor for Manchester by the Sea, and uh, Mel Gibson for being uh, coming back into the spotlight as the director for Hacksaw Ridge, which I believe won the Oscar for Best. Sound, sound editing. editing? Sound mixing. And sound mixing. Editing. Sound mixing so and editing. editing. No, I think Arrival won sound mixing. No. No, sound Arrival mixing and sound editing sound are editing. editing. Oh, shit. Okay. Arrival won sound mixing and it also won editing Ooh. straight away. Yeah. Gotcha. Facts. Cool. Right. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> so, I just want to kind of start off by talking about, like, these two figures and where they fit into the mold of the problematic artist. Casey Affleck, um, he delivered one of the year's best performances um, uh, in Manchester by the Sea. And I think it, for many people, it seemed like a well-deserved win, but a lot of people did have an issue with uh, the allegations that were put against him for sexual harassment, which eventually did get settled in court. As for Mel Gibson, he's kind of been a problematic figure for a while, um, you know, being accused, or not really accused, but actually uh, being seen as, or having made racist and anti-Semitic comments. So my first question is, uh, how do we reconcile with the fact that the Academy has recognized these two for achievements, but neglect to criticize their actions from the past, or let's say neglect, but are complicit in the actions of their past? Anyone want to take Danny? <laughs> yeah, since Danny's well, I think a lot of, doing a yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, I don't know things to note here. The first is like the, the Academy is not like a monolithic organization, <laughs> like a cabal of people who like decide together in a room who's going to win. Um, it's a bunch of people who make individual determinations and like thousands of people, and together those thousands of people came to the conclusion. Um, I think uh, for a lot of these um, folks, they can separate art from artist um, easier, um, easily. And for me, it's kind of a similar deal. Um, I mean, I think I love Manchester by the Sea. It was actually my favorite movie of the year. And I think Casey Affleck deserved like a very deliberative performance that was really incredible um, and deserved the win. Um, and I think that we shouldn't. I'm personally not angry at, at the Academy for refusing to condemn um, or like issue a condemnation of one of its own members. Um, I think that's, um, I don't know, I think that'd be like a strange practice. Um, and I wouldn't really be sure how they would set up that procedure. Like what, you know, uh, offenses would be worthy of a condemnation from the Academy and, and what wouldn't. Um, yeah, I don't know. For Hacksaw Ridge, a film that I am less taken by, but still really admire, I think, like, what it did win for, uh, editing and, and sound mixing, I thought were both incredible in that movie, um, so, 
Um, I thought Thogan's role deserved it. I think Mel Gibson is a fairly good director. Um, it's not like this is like an unprecedented, like out of nowhere recognition. I mean, he has directed a movie that won Best Picture 20 years ago. Um, and I don't know. Um, I think it's I think it's a good question to ask. Um, for me, um, and I think for others, um, even in this room, it's I think it's easier um, to separate art from artist because I think the artist is you know captured on celluloid and is there whether or not you like it or not. And uh, so from then on, you have to kind of just consume it. Yeah, I think a lot of people were looking um, at the Academy Awards for some sort of like symbolic justice, but that's not like Casey Affleck losing an award is not justice like it doesn't mean anything for him to lose that award in the like realm of what he did like those two things are so divorced from each other that it's sort of absurd to think that like he can't win the award because of what he did because that's placing too much significance on the award and not on what he did um and that sort of seems like the way that conversation is going um which i really disagree with i think that if you're looking for real justice, it's like way down at the beginning of the road. And this is like, it's just people are looking for it in the wrong places. Um, and it's not the job of an awards show to be a judge. Like the members of the Academy, what their votes do nothing legally and like for about what he did. So it's sort of, it doesn't make sense to put it on them. Because it's the wrong place to look for what's mm-hmm. it? It's court. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think that it definitely it, it is an issue and a bit of a conflict when it comes to these things. I do agree that like the Academy should m- just be focusing on the performances rather than the, you know, necessarily the character of the actor. But like their, their real selves, but I do think it's important to recognize that the Academy in, is an institution that has a lot of power that, you know, when they give out nominations for these things, um, they are also responsible for putting these actors on a platform and for them to be able to win an award is to give them the power to, or to show that this particular actor, even though they might not recognize the fact that they have been accused of stuff in the past, uh, are also responsible for the fact that the actor themselves, or the actors themselves, um, uh, are, it's still, it's still part of who they are. And it is a bit of a struggle. I I don't know if I would say that they're not a judge, because they kind of are, they have to judge who these, what actors give the best performances of the year um that being said i do agree with the fact that you know the academy is not supposed to be like they're supposed to be a judge of the performances but not necessarily the judge of like oh this person did this thing well we can't give them this award then or we can't nominate them for that reason i think a lot of people look at it like a bad person doesn't win an award okay the world is good the world works the way that i think the world should and it's that's such a false equivalence like him it's just they're not the same thing like people care so much about this dumb award but it's like (laughs) the actual care of like things that would make real change legislative legislative and like social cultural change about sexual assault like the passion's not there for that in the same way it is that like Casey Affleck should have lost this award like that's so stupid if you really care about this you would really care about it every single day of the year not like the month around the Oscars I just it's really I think like ultimately he was being recognized for an amazing performance yeah that has nothing to do with his personal life in that sense I'm also concerned about where that sort of this sort of logic like continues um so like what if like there's an actor who is a very fervent Trump supporter, but like never committed a crime, but like boosted for Donald Trump, and then let's say Donald Trump like ended up ended up being like a really 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 bad president. Which um, let's just say let's just say let's <laughs> posit that. Um, like, do we still like 
hold no qualms with this person. Like, I don't know. I feel like, I mean, you have to, like, you have to not, like, care about their political predispositions, um, even though you might find them reprehensible, because, I don't know, I think, like, at that point, we're, like, criminalizing people based on, like, political opinions or ideologies that they hold. Um, obviously, sexual harassment, sexual assault, and, like, being a Republican are very different things, but I'm worried about, like, what, where do we stop when we allow the academy or we encourage the academy to take external considerations into account mm -hmm. yeah that's a good point Nabil, do you have any i just think the phrase like personal life um i feel like like where do you draw the line between this guy's a republican versus like this guy raped three women or whatever he did was it like sexual assault? Was it sexual misconduct? The question, like, I think the phrase personal life is, I think, a little questionable. But I think also, at the end of the day, it's I think mainly you, people judge, people are like, what do I think the Academy Awards is? Is it endorsing someone for their award or is it endorsing that human, that human being in general? And I think people mostly come down on the latter just because the Academy Awards is such like a cultural institution. Like you can argue about if it actually about its merits or whatever, but it is like the gets the most like press coverage like year round. It gets the most like the TV broadcasts are always like yeah they've been dipping, but like they're always very high. Um, I think the issue that people have is not that oh I care so much about this award. I think it's just that like. This guy's given a platform. Um, I don't know personally where I stand. I haven't really figured it out yet. Like, I've like looked the other way and listened to a bunch of songs by R. Kelly. Like, that's <laughs> it's just like a complicated thing that I don't think I've figured out yet. But I don't know. Yeah, I think also uh, what is important to take into consideration is that like every every person who performs in any way through movies, TV, music, they're, they always also embody like flaws. They all have flaws in their own way. Some have bigger flaws than others, and it still might not justify, um, you know, if their performances were amazing um, or why they shouldn't receive an award even though their performances were amazing. But, you know, it would be almost impossible to award something to someone without recognizing a flaw first. I think it's like we always focus on uh, when someone gets an award, it's like, oh, what is, what is, what have they done in the past that could corrupt their current status? And I think we often forget that, you know, our past is, does not define our present. Obviously, things in our past can have very troublesome and questionable repercussions in the present and I think they should be recognized but at the same time people can change if they're if we allow them to change if if they are willing to change and to accept uh, their faults and their flaws then I think it's then I think that is a good way of progress of showing progress yeah I think the idea of forgiveness and the idea of recognizing that people aren't inherently bad is like a hallmark of um, is like a hallmark of progressivism and liberalism and realizing that the reason why people often the reason why people commit crimes or do bad things is because of a certain set of underlying conditions that allows them to do that um, or that causes them to do that and I think the logical extension of that approach to thinking about the world um, is that we have to be forgiving of people when they you know, do bad things. Obviously, that's like really hard for people to do. I mean, like, I don't know. Um, like, my family is like Holocaust survivors, and like the idea that like they could forgive like Nazi Germany is like crazy to me. But somehow they do it, and I feel like I don't know. That's like a model for how we just move on. And to an extent, like that works, and it doesn't after a certain point where you keep forgiving someone and they keep committing a crime. But that might be the person who is sort of the exception to the rule who is actually a bad person. But I feel like there are more good people than there are bad. Awesome. Um, so I kind of want to move into uh, a little bit of a deeper discussion about 
problematic artists and sort of bring back Casey Affleck, but also bring in Nate Parker, who was another writer-director um, that has uh, produced really great art, but also has come under a lot of controversy. He wrote and directed Birth of a Nation, which uh, premiered at Sundance, got a lot of people talking, Fox Searchlight bought uh, a shit ton of money for it, and it was like destined to be... Oh, yeah. It's the largest sale at Sundance. Yeah. Ever. And it was expected that and along with Manchester by the Sea, which also, yeah, which also debuted at Sundance, were both expected to be Oscar frontrunners. And then during the press tour of Birth of a Nation, the allegations about Nate Parker uh, uh, raping a woman in college with his classmate came out. Um, or was it, it was, it was allegations and the fact that they went to court uh, his friend, who was also involved in the case, was sent to jail, but then I believe the friend got out of jail, or was able to get out of jail. Um, and... acquitted, right? What? yeah. And, and Nate Parker... he co-wrote the movie. <clears throat> They're both... Um, yeah. They're both Yeah. Yeah. And Nate Parker was acquitted. Um, and then I think the thing that kind of completely uh, made it impossible for Birth of a Nation to... Uh, get to any form, any realm of award season was when uh, the news about the woman whom they uh, were accused of raping committed suicide uh, several years ago. And also the rhetoric that Nate Parker used in his interviews kind of came to be sort of questionable as well, kind of defending himself. And I think it was just bad publicity. Um, but at the same time, I feel like there is a pattern because while you could say that Manchester by the Sea was objectively better than Birth of a Nation, um, <laughs> and you know, perhaps Casey Affleck gave a better performance than Nate Parker did, um, I think it's still important to discuss the role of race in these kinds of cases um, because there, it's another another good comparison for this would be Woody Allen versus Bill Cosby. Um, you know, they have been accused of somewhat different things, but also under the realm of uh, sexual assault, rape, uh, domestic violence, and Bill Cosby is now pretty much a social pariah. But Woody Allen is still making movies um, and TV shows and TV shows, <laughs> I, which I reviewed. Crisis and Six Scenes, not a good show. It was a crisis in six scenes. There's a headline. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. What was it? Oh, it was like Woody Allen's shtick gets old. Something like that. That is also true. It is. It's a painful reminder that Woody Allen's shtick is getting old. Trademark, Sam Rosenberg. So, my I guess my question here is, do you guys think that race does play a role in how problematic artists are treated? in the media, and if so, how? If not, why not? I feel like, first of all, it needs to be said that... So I wrote a piece in October about the Nate Parker case, um, which was before the movie came out. Um, and what happened was that the movie just wasn't very good. Like, Birth of a Nation <laughs> was really not a good movie. It was so just okay. Like, it got hyped up. So I so I really think that like this I mean I'm sure some of its disappearance from the award season spotlight is due to um, this the scandal but like it also needs to be said that like that was not a great movie and it did not deserve to be in the company of the movies that were on the awards um, circuit. Was it a better movie than Lion? <laughs> I, did not see Lion. I don't think so. Did you I like Lion? Did you see Lion? Half of it. I liked half of it. <laughs> but you saw half of it or you liked it? I liked half of it. Okay. Which half? The first half. The first, half, yeah. first half was good. Okay. It was Second long. Half is kind of crappy. Yeah. Oh, Rooney Mare's character. Yeah. What was she doing there? Yeah. <laughs> but, but had a great time. Well, yeah. I think the Birth of a Nation, sure. like, you know, like, the start of a new year, it was in the middle of Oscar So White. It's, like, yeah. really exciting. Oh, there's, like, this really big, accomplished movie with a lot of black actors, um, black writer and director, and um, I don't know, I think it, 
excited. And I think part of the movie, like the kind of the climax of the movie, is very exciting. And the, there's a lot of aspects of the movie that are very well made. But I think, uh, yeah, once I think other movies that were also diverse, like came into the picture, yeah. like Moonlight and Figures and Fences, um, and uh, and oh my gosh, what's the other one? Um, Lion. Lion, right? That's another <laughs> one. Um, but yeah, so many movies that were coming into the spotlight. Um, they kind of just seemed like sort of like lost that extra edge that it had yeah. at Sundance and also yeah I think like Madeline said once it was it was shown it just wasn't that good and what made it <laughs> like particularly unsavory I think too was that like um unlike Manchester by the Sea which is pretty um divorced from topics of like sexual assault like there is a rape that's like a pretty major plot point in the movie um so it's a man committed of a crime who then puts his crime in a movie that he makes, which is particularly hard to watch. Um, yeah. And it's, and yeah, so I, it, there's a lot going on with why these two cases are treated differently. Um, I think that Birth of a, like Birth of a Nation actively reminds you, like, what its creator did while you're watching it um, because it it like it is sort of centered around the very same crime. Yeah, and maybe hot take, and I don't know if it spoils anything, but I'll keep it vague. Manchester by the Sea, because of the fact that Lee Chandler, uh, this case, Casey Affleck's character, really messes up at one part of the movie and like something really devastating happens and yeah. you feel really terrible for him and you see that he's like a really this like broken down person, it's like hard not to walk out of the movie feeling like really bad for that character. Yeah. And maybe that's like part of the reason why some of the accusations have to stuck. Because I think if you really attach Lee Chandler to Casey Affleck, which I don't think is a terribly hard thing to do, mm-hmm. um, yeah, then I don't think you feel terribly bad yeah. for him. Or so you you feel very bad for him. And mm-hmm. um, maybe some of that just like rubs off or doesn't so rub off. Yeah, I think it also goes to like how established both those guys were. Casey Affleck is the brother of like a he's already Casey Affleck's already number one like an established actor, also the brother of one of the industry's like biggest movie stars. Nate Parker was in like a few movies. He was in like Beyond the Lights a couple years ago, mm-hmm. um, but like he wasn't like an established um, presence in the industry. So it was I think it was easier for people to turn on him. And I do think the racial the racial aspect played a part in it. Um, I think it also gets into questions of how move, Oscar movies are marketed. Um, if you have a quote unquote black movie, um, how is it going to be marketed for the Oscars? Um, you can look at how like Hidden Figures or Fences or Moonlight um, were marketed versus how Birth of a Nation was marketed before it basically fell off the press circuit um i don't know i think it's a another difficult area that i don't have all the answers to again but yeah maybe another point to point out is we talk about how like the word like acclaim you talk about how manchester by the sea received more than birth of nation if you read and this is like a symptom of like rotten tomatoes culture mm-hmm. but if you read all the reviews or most of the reviews for birth of nation versus manchester by the sea how many of the Birth of a Nation reviews mention the sexual assault versus how many of them, how many of the reviews from Manchester by the Sea mention Casey Affleck's? Um, yeah. You can't like, there's like very few Birth of a Nation reviews to get, that you can't get through without an opening paragraph being like, oh, um, I'm either going to address this or not, or leaving aside um, stuff like that. So either way, when people are reviewing movies and that is also another factor that goes into how movies are marketed for the Oscars. When they're reviewing them, um, and when people are reading those reviews, there's a difference in how people are thinking about the two movies. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe that's due to just like the fact that Nate Parker has a larger role in his movie than Casey Affleck does in his, because Nate Parker starred in, wrote, and directed. That's fair. Like I look and at produced. Manchester by the Sea as a Kenneth Lonergan movie primarily, because he's a Pulitzer Prize winning writer. Um, mm-hmm. Who directed a movie with Casey Affleck and Michelle Williams and Lucas Hedges and Matthew Broderick and all these other actors and um, 
that was how I saw it. Um, yeah. Actually, that's a good segue into the next part of our discussion, which is the role of the people who work with problematic artists. So Kenneth Lonergan, he is a really great director. Um, he did You Can Count on Me, Margaret, and then Manchester by the Sea was his third movie. He's also written and produced a few other movies um, throughout the past. Things of New York. 20 years. Things yeah. Wrote Games. Analyze This and Analyze That. Yeah. Whoa. Both. Yeah. <laughs> this is our youth. Oh, really? That's where he and Casey Affleck first met, because oh, he was interesting. in that play. Yeah. Michael Sarah was in it for the yeah, so and saw it. Fun fact. Right? Yeah. Not really relevant, but okay. So many facts. So, yeah, <laughs> so... Robin seems really cool. That's just like a side note. Yeah. Cool. So... <laughs> Shout out to Robin. All right. <laughs> nice. So, Kenneth Lonergan, um, he wrote a, f a week or two ago, he wrote an open letter in defense of Casey yeah, Affleck to a... What? Did he write it in the Odyssey? Yeah. No. <laughs> Imagine if, though. I want an end of open letters. Like, I, I never want to see an open letter, letter to letter blank. Okay. Um, he wrote an open letter to a student. He So he went to Wesleyan. He wrote the open letter to another Wesleyan student who criticized Lonergan for being complicit. In... No, they had criticized the school for congratulating Kenneth Lonergan oh. on his win because Lonergan was, quote, unquote, with ACF. Gotcha. Thanks for the correction. So the Wesleyan student. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Um, the Wesleyan student wrote that piece, and then Kenneth Lonergan responded um, in a very, uh, very brutal response. Um, I think, and I read also an article from the AV Club about Kenneth Lonergan's response and how it was less about. Case a defense in Casey Affleck, but more about he kind of just criticized the way the Wesleyan student talked about him, saying there was like a random use of terms, mex uh, sexual misconduct, sexual harassment, um, and just like you know, deeply offensive display of ignorance and warped PC fueled sense of indignation. So, I actually have. Personally, I've not read the uh, letter that the Wesleyan student wrote, but I feel like in any case, should should that have been the right move on Kenneth Lonergan's uh, in Kenneth Lonergan's case? Should that should he have denounced the student who accused him and or accused the university of being complicit of uh, you know rewarding Lonergan for being complicit? Uh, for in Casey Affleck's actions, or should he have just said nothing? Um, and what does that really say about like writers and directors or other actors in general who work with problematic artists? Should they have a role in uh, talking about these issues, or should they just stay silent? Oh, it's so complicated. It this, is. Like, whole topic is so complicated. I think I guess this is a little off um, topic, but I think just like. I think it's important to point out that it takes so many people to make a movie, like so many. And I think it's, you can't hate on every single person that's in a movie that like, oh, they worked with a problematic person, therefore like they should, whatever. Mm -hmm. So um, whether it's someone like a director who has a huge impact on a film or someone who's like a small assistant or whatever, they're all, I guess, complicit if you look at it that way. Um, so I think it's a little unreasonable to like ask even, to ask Uh, I'm not sure if I had something to say, but I guess, like, I don't know, I think it's a good idea for people to still work, maybe not still, like, actively seek out to work with problematic people, but, yeah. um, like, I think a good metaphor is, would you rather have, like, people in, I'm just going to go back to the Trump call for a second, people in, like, Trump's State Department, for instance, to resign or stay? Like, if you stay, then you can shape the direction of policy, and mm. you have a better control over it. But if you resign, then yes, technically you're not complicit in it, but you are allowing people who you disagree with and who would be more harmful to the world to affect policy. I think if you have like, quote unquote, good people on the set who are working who might actively prevent the behavior in the future, then I think that's a net good. And we should like, I don't know. I'm not sure if we can, like maybe Kenneth Lonergan, like the 
this is a totally made up thing. But maybe like Kenneth Lonergan created like a set environment where like Casey Affleck had no room to like sexually harass anyone. I'm not sure if he would have. I'm, this is literally just speculation. But like if someone is like like a good person who is like creating an environment where um, like the movie runs well and there's no like workplace um, misconduct, then I think. I don't know. I think that's a good thing, personally. Mm-hmm. I think, but sort of going back to your point about sort of the White House comparison, I, I'm just worried because even if there are good people who do work with these actors or these artists, problematic artists, like, I think, I'm trying to figure if either trying to be active in shaping them or helping them uh, like understand their flaws, or like not you know getting away with stuff, or you know calling them out on their bullshit, is you know I think I th- in my opinion I feel like resigning or dropping out of a project or something makes a much more powerful statement about how actors or artists. Um, are treated in the industry than it is to let's I think it, it, it the voice uh, the voice of that person or the the problem or the issues that are associated with that person speak in much in much greater volumes uh, if someone from the you know the film or TV show that they work with um, were to resign but that doesn't go without saying that they should at least try to curb them in some way. I just don't know exactly how that would look or what that would entail. But that's just that's just how I feel. Does anyone have any other comments? No. <laughs> Too complex. Yeah. Um, I actually, so to give another example, so Andrew Garfield, who worked with Mel Gibson on Hacksaw Ridge, and Kate Blanchett, who worked with Woody Allen uh, for Blue Jasmine, uh, were both great in the movies that, or they were acclaimed for their roles in the movies um, that they worked in with those directors. Andrew Garfield got an Oscar nom, and Kate Blanchett won the Oscar for uh, what? I just that was so odd. What? Her winning for Blue Jasmine. I was oh, sorry. I really, I love that. Like, I thought she yeah. was really good, but it was like I just so was not impressed with it. No, was nominated. nominated. Yeah. I, I just. <laughs> Judy Dench, fill me now. Yes, that uh, was it. Uh, mm. I haven't seen Filmina. That movie is underrated. That's a very Filmina good movie. Filmina is underrated. It's, like, it's on Netflix. Oh, it's still on Netflix? Oh, my God. Maybe Netflix. it's not on Netflix anymore. Oh, everyone, listeners, Filmina. Great movie. Really good. Everyone should watch it. It'll just wreck you. Uh, <laughs> but it's also funny, because you got yeah. Steve Coogan writing that screenplay, oh, and yeah. a co-lead. Oh, my God, he's so good. Steve Coogan is underrated. Very underrated. Um, yeah. So anyway, both are great actors who worked with these directors who are problematic. So I guess my question would be: Do they have a moral obligation to stand against them, or stand, or like be active participants in, um, you know, trying to show, trying to trying to help them for the better, um, or do you think that they have a right to make their own decisions and, you know, resign from working with them? You know, if Andrew Garfield didn't work with Mel Gibson, then he probably wouldn't have got an Oscar nomination. Same thing with Kate Blanchett, but, you know, those are just some things. I think it's a, oh, I think it's a weird binder to have, because you have, on one hand, is it Andrew Garfield's job to rehabilitate Mel Gibson? If he's like, is it Kenneth Lonergan's job to make sure Casey Affleck doesn't sexually assault women on his set? Like, I don't understand that mm-hmm. but also if if Mel Gibson comes to Andrew Garfield with a script and Andrew Garfield's like no you're a racist and anti-semite I won't do this um, I feel like that's his like personal decision and I doubt many actors would do that to be honest I mentioned Andrew Garfield is the victim in Mel Gibson's anti-semitism because Andrew Garfield is Jewish yeah so I feel like if like he's the person who can forgive him and maybe indicative of the fact that Mel Gibson is not guilty of his crime anymore, like in the present. Yeah, I think it's like really the film industry is really complicated in this way because it once you're two people that are making art together, but it's like also sort of like 
your boss and your employee, like, is the, are you complicit in what your, like, co-workers do? I would say no, but it's such a weird sort of, like, professional world where, like, your co-workers and you work together to make art, which I think we view really differently than we view, like, you and your co-workers work together to make, to, like, sell a product. Like, so, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's also a product. Well, yeah. You're paying money. Well, People are paying money. I'm just going to think of another job. That's fair. I was going to go with, like, super company. Lost <laughs> a lot of the office. Um, don't talk to me about the office. Sorry, continue. <laughs> See, Sam, you are a problematic person. I don't know. No, yeah, I think you're either. the problematic one for not liking Donnie Darko, but okay. we don't have to go there. Let's nope. sidetrack. <laughs> have you seen the shirts that say Donnie Darko doesn't make sense? I will buy that shirt. <laughs> oh my God. That movie sucks. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Anyone who creates a forum online is needs a better needs. It's an 8.1 on IMDb. Who gives? That's it. <laughs> IMDb has, like, The Dark Knight is the sixth best movie of all time or something. That's true. They're kind of like Rotten Tomatoes, but, like, not dumb. as, yeah, a little bit dumbed down. They're just stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Woody Allen is an interesting question because, obviously, he has a yeah. history of um, being really creepy and, and not good to women, but has created, like, some of the best roles ever for women. Like... Anne and her sisters, Annie Hall, Manhattan, Barbara Rose and Pyro, Robert Danny. But like, I could just like list for like for forever, like mm-hmm. the amount of like incredibly interesting roles that he has created. Like so much better than any like female roles done by like totally non problematic directors like the Coen Brothers, who have cast women in their lead in two of sixteen movies, mm-hmm. um, and who has been the same actor and is married to one of them. So like. Yeah, I think, obviously, he's a really controversial figure, but um, has done, um, like, uh, has created really, really incredible roles for women, and that's not to excuse any of his behavior, but I'm, I think the argument that I'm trying to make is that um, problematic figures' role in filmmaking is, I think, more complicated than um, you know, binary, they're good or bad. Right. Also, a lot of times, like, I think it's more important to, like, um, analyze the message of so it's like when all these people come together and collaborate on a project um, that sends a particular message, like whether it be empowering women or talking about bringing a certain story into life, like that's, I think, um, where the most impact would be made. Um, but everyone has, there, I'm sure there's so many directors and actors that have problematic past that we just don't know about. Um, I think it's more important to maybe shift our direction towards the movies and Right. Isn't that read is kind of false though? Like if Woody Allen made a movie about a child molester getting prosecuted, wouldn't that would you be like, oh, this movie sends a great message, or would you be like, that's so hypocritical? I think I would probably think it was hypocritical. I can yeah, like, mm-hmm. like That's fair. But in that hypothetical scenario, I think it's still but like I feel like he wouldn't. Right. I think we have a good example because Manhattan is not about that, but it is you can read it in light of his marriage, his current marriage, because um, mm-hmm. in that movie he's like a 40-something-year-old dating a 17-year-old. And, I don't know, I think in that movie he doesn't really come across as the hero. Um, I think Ariel and I'm not saying that like, problematic directors are always right in the message they're sending. Yeah. You know, that's, like, it could be a problematic message. Right. So you're saying yeah. judge them not on their child molestation, but on the, the message that their art is saying? I'm just saying that like a lot of people come together to produce a movie or to okay. make something happen. And that I makes think, sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fair. Um, so for kind of the last part of the discussion, I kind of want to talk about what our role is as consumers and reviewers of film and TV. I know we didn't really talk a lot about TV. We focus primarily on film. I think problematic artists are way more affected in the film industry than they are in the TV industry, but I think there definitely are some problematic People in the TV industry, um, like Christian Slater, Mr. Robot, um, great a- great acting in that show, but also accused of very similar things to Casey Affleck and Neil Parker and 
in terms of domestic violence. And um, Lena, Dunham. Lena Dunham, I was just going to say. Um, <laughs> are you not a fan, she Madeline? She pushes my buttons a little bit. My problem with her is that, like, it is so clear that she's so smart. Mm-hmm. And she just, like, says really dumb stuff. There's an example of a person I would rather just consume their art and not, like, not like judge. About their life. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think Girls like, is a great Girls show. Girls is a great show. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I watch Girls and it's, like, I haven't watched, I've watched, like, four episodes. But it's great. I, you know. <laughs> but um, also, like, how old is she? She's, like, late 20s. Like, she says stupid stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Know. I feel, yeah, right. She yeah. says stupid shit. And I know morning. there's like a controversy about her, like something in her book about like um with yeah. yeah, with her sister. And I don't know enough about the details about that. But she also made a comment about how she wished she had an abortion. Yeah. I remember that. And I think those could be attributed to like just like she said some really dumb shit. Yeah. Yeah. She's like a smart person in her art and she's not a smart public persona. That's yeah. Yeah. That's fair. So I think, I guess it still begs the question, like how do we as, as consumers and as reviewers of film and TV reconcile with problematic actors, writers, directors who make great art? Where do we draw the line? And this doesn't have to be like, I think all people who are reviewers and critics should think this way. Like this could just be your own personal take. Um, like if you think, if you don't like, if you personally have issues with Lena Dunham, does that mean or I guess you sort of talked about this just now, but like, does that mean you shouldn't watch Girls? Or if you watch Mr. Robot, does that mean you're endorsing Christian Slater? Or does that just mean you're watching the show because you really enjoy the show? Um, and the same goes with, you know, films made by Woody Allen. Annie Hall is such an influential movie. So when you watch it, are you watching it because it's so influential, because it's a really great movie? Or do you not watch it simply because you have issues with Woody Allen. I think that gets into the question of like boycotting. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, like the other day we were in here and somebody was saying, oh, I don't think I'll, I want to give that person that money, so I'll wait until it comes out on HBO or something. And I don't know, I'm not sold on the monetary effects of boycotting. I don't know what, I, I, I don't know why people make that argument I and it's not like a thing or that's like a dumb argument. I just honestly don't know what the argument is for saying um, I don't want to give this person money, so I'm not going to watch it in theaters. I don't know why the line is demarcated there. Um, yeah, but I, don't I agree. Know. I think it, it feels like really late in the process to get angry. Like if you're boycotting it, it still exists. Like if you if you really find fault in these people being in these movies are like still being able to work as you know alleged criminals whatever um i think that the action needs to happen much earlier in the process it's like it's it's the same as the as not winning the award it's like it doesn't it doesn't do anything for them it doesn't do anything for like the people that they have um made victims and so it just doesn't seem like it's a worthwhile fight boycotting mm-hmm. it, it seems like a yeah it seems like a um, action in name only and what I mean by that is like oh like I'm sure there are so many people who were going to see Manchester by the Sea like subject themselves to this like two and a half hour like like sob fest and then be like you know what no like i don't like casey affleck so i'm not gonna watch this uh but i will on on blu-ray like i'll i'll check it then like it just doesn't ring true to me and it seems like like they probably weren't gonna watch the movie anyway like i doubt many people will go to see every woody allen movie in the first place um but uh it also just seems like it's like a like, uh, I, I don't really know how to take action so this is the thing that makes sense to me even though it does nothing um and I think it's like a way for people to feel like they've accomplished something when they've done nothing. Um, although maybe literally doing nothing is. But the then on the flip side of that, I would say if if you're a victim of somebody, some if you're one of the victims of Casey Affleck or Nate Parker or Woody Allen, I feel like that's just like a that would just be like a hard new thing to see. To be honest, that, that's that's like it just like it'd be a a nice like show of support. I get it. That's um, fair, but I don't think that can be the only thing that. 
do. You can be like, oh, I didn't see a movie. Like, I literally have done nothing. Like, that's the point. I didn't do something. And And thus, I've done my part. I think the problem is is that a lot of people see that as their contribution to social justice. Right, and then it excuses... Well, I don't, you know, give my money to these bad people. Right. Like, that, and that's the end of it. It should be like Um, every time a movie comes out, like, you should spend the money you would have spent on a ticket on a cause or something like that. Maybe that's not... Uh, something that's feasible for a lot of people, but I don't know. I think you should care in action like that. Like, yes. if let's say, Dan, put that on a t shirt. Yeah, I would buy that. Would that, would that kind of like, if, if I already give an example, like if you saw Manchester by the Sea, you paid money to see Manchester by the Sea, and then you also paid money to an organization that, um, Helped sexual assault survivors. I'd like, also do that, yeah. Yeah. I have the money, and I don't really make a lot of money. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm hopefully later in life, uh, yeah, I can do that. I have no problem doing that. I mean, like, it's not like I go into this conversation thinking, like, all these people are wonderful people who have no flaws. Like, obviously, I think Casey Affleck, like, made a terrible, like, did a terrible thing in 2010, and Woody Allen was, like, a really creepy person. And Mel Gibson harbored very, like, like, abhorrent views. Um, but I don't know. Fundamentally, I think people like are good, but at the end of the day, like bad things happen, and we should fight them whenever possible. Um, but still, recognize that people are more complex than just being good or bad. What about like when you're? Okay, so what about when you're reviewing something? Is that in your head? Like if you're if you're reviewing a if you're reviewing Hacksaw Ridge, are you sitting there thinking, I'm not going to think about all the horrible things Mel Gibson has said? I don't. Really. I mean, like, I don't know. I feel like when I watch a movie, I'm, like, too preoccupied by, like, everything going on at once. I'm like, oh, like, I'm not going to see this movie again. I, like, need to write it all down. And I just, like, don't have time for it, I guess. I don't know. Especially with something like Hexa Ridge, where there's so much stuff happening at once. Um, But at the end of the day, like, I don't know. I walked into Hexa Ridge, and I'm like, oh, I didn't really like the movie that much. But it was really well-directed. Like, hats off to that dude. Um, Even though he's uh, Harbour's views that I... um, Virently disagree with <laughs> for very personal reasons, uh, but I mean, yeah, I, I, I try. I I think I'm doing a disservice if I let it influence my criticism or review it because I don't know. Like, if I was creating, if I like, if I was an artist and I like made a song and then someone was like, "Well, the song was good, but like Danny's a terrible person," like I'd be like, "Well, what? Like, <laughs> that's not the point." Like, <laughs> episode about abortion like maybe like yeah it's it would like play into the conversation yeah but i don't think hacksaw ridge has anything to yeah. do with his anti-semitism exactly. um, it's actually probably in favor of it because it's about religious tolerance um so yeah, yeah i don't know although granted that religion is christianity so <laughs> still andrew garfield's andrew jewish garfield. yeah right. so guess that yeah Awesome. Um, before we sign off, does anyone else have anything they want to add? Comment, question, concern? I have a question. Yeah. Do you guys think it the same arguments translate to like music? Like, let's say, let's, yeah, let's say you're listening mm-hmm. to Kanye's oh, album and you're like, damn, this wave song is fire. And then Chris Brown comes in, you're like, shit, I still love what this song. What the hell is Chris right. Brown on this song? Do you um, think it translates? I, yeah, I think it does. I think that it's, I mean, it, I think it should translate, and I think it doesn't um, cause such a visceral reaction in people in the same way because you are further removed from the person. Like, you don't, you don't see them. Like, unless you, you know, you could, you could theoretically not know that it was Chris Brown on that, on Waves if you were, like, stupid, I guess. Um. No, that's mean. If you didn't <laughs> listen to a lot of music and didn't look at the featured... I don't know what Chris Brown sounds like. I don't really listen to him not from like a, yeah. a uh, comment artist perspective. I just like don't listen yeah. to that genre. Yeah. But I think, I mean, I think it, it should, um, but it doesn't. People, I think, are, are more um, divorced, divert. <laughs> Um, I think people are more, if I can go yeah, off what you're saying, take it, I, think people, I think people <laughs> tend to sort of just, I think people are more tuned to just 
If they like the song, they like the song. I don't think it's kind of like the same thing with movies and TV shows. If you like the movie, you like the TV show. If you like the movie, you like the TV show. But I think it should also be like important to recognize like that this artist who is associated with this piece of art is problematic in this way. You don't necessarily, and you have the full right to choose whether or not you don't you want to stop listening to this song or this album or not watch the not pay money to see this movie or watch this TV show. Um, and I think it definitely is a struggle. I feel like for a lot of people, especially with like Chris Brown, when before the whole Rihanna thing, I think a lot of people just saw him as this really, you know, cool up and coming R&B hip hop singer. And then after the Rihanna thing, it just kind of went downhill. Even if he apologized, even if he did all that stuff, even if Rihanna forgave him, people still have like huge issues with him. Uh, and I think it's justified in that way. Um, so, I mean, for me personally, I I love the song Waves and I love the whole Kanye West album. And Kanye himself is problematic, but I still think, again, it's like this issue of separating the art from the artist. I think for me, going into these kinds of things, when you look at art and it has it speaks to you in powerful volumes. I think it's important to like be okay with that and also be okay with the fact that maybe the person who made this art is not the most perfect person. And based on your own values, I think you have the ability to decide whether or not that fits into what you believe. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining me today on this fine afternoon. Thank you, Sam. Yeah. Um, tune in next time for Screen to Screen.